Hello, my name is Jacob. And I'm his co-host, five-year-old Olivia. Do you have kids? And are your kids curious? If you answered yes, you should check out Curious Kid Podcast, a weekly educational podcast for curious kids and grown-ups. Every week we learn about another topic. We've already learned about spiderwebs, batteries, the moon, and so much more. You can find us at CuriousKidPodcast.Buzzsprout.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. And now, on with the show. Hey everyone, welcome to... We're watching here! We're watching here! This is Opinionated Movie Talk with Chris and Perry. My name is Chris Williams, with me is the Adam Sandler to my Kevin James, Perry Cyber. <laughs> okay, it's the one serial in which I will take that. That's okay, yes. Take the guy who has given I a much, few good performances. I, yes, I'll take Adam Sandler over Kevin James yes, every time. Yeah, most people, I think Kevin James would take that. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I am really good. Um, we are going to be talking funny people on this episode. But before we get right into that, Perry, what have you been watching? I have been watching a ton of stuff lately. Uh, let's let's talk about. Okay, uh, let's pick. Let's decide on one. And normally, I know we like to talk about what we liked. We want to talk about one that steer mm-hmm. people towards something that they should see. But oh, Chris, I saw Midsummer. And oh, I gotta oh, talk man. about what a giant turd that movie I, is. I saw your Facebook, so <laughs> yes, I'm excited. I was hoping you would bring. That I up. rarely go to a movie. Uh, I don't. I never. I truly never hope for terrible. I don't want them to be bad. Mm-hmm. But yes, sometimes I will go just to have it verified for me that someone I think isn't talented truly isn't talented. Okay. And that's where I was going with this, because I hated Hereditary. Okay, I have not seen Hereditary. I, I, I thought Hereditary was inc- an incredibly overrated, incredibly overrated. It took me 30 minutes to realize Hereditary was a piece of crap. Okay. okay. Uh, th- I'll give him credit. This took an hour and a half. There's another hour after that. But it took an hour and a half for you to realize, no, this isn't going to come back from... This isn't going to find a way back to anything sensible. Okay. <laughs> he, uh, uh, so yeah, Midsummer is a giant swing and a miss for me. That and I he- can now completely ignore the work of Ari Aster for the rest of my life. See, now he gets a lot of good notices. I don't understand why. He definitely, when I saw the uh, the trailers for Hereditary, I was like... That's either for me or that's not for me. And then I did a little reading on the film, like, that movie is not for me. And, uh, <laughs> so I, I always figured Midsummer was kind of not for me as well, but you're the first person I've heard say it's outright bad. Oh, I think it's terrible. Okay. I think it's really I mean, that's, again, we're talking about, I'm talking about the script. Mm-hmm. Is it incompetently made? No. It's not well made, but it's not incompetently made. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a terrible script. Because okay. it, it's not a script. It's not a story. It's it's an excuse to string together a bunch of stuff. Okay, and it's been done better, and it's been done better at an hour shorter. <laughs> so stick with the Wicker Man. Stick with the Wicker Man. All right. By all means, stick with the Wicker Man. I I was actually toying with going to see Midsummer this afternoon, um, <laughs> but I, I it was another one. I'm not a big fan of like intense gore for gore's sake, and I, when I read about Hereditary, there were just images in there where I'm like, I don't think I want to see that. 
And uh, Midsummer, I kind of did some digging too. I'm like, I don't know if I want to see that. And uh, <laughs> you're not swaying me. So. Well, then I feel I've done my duty here, Chris. Right. What have you been watching? Oh, so, okay. With it, when we're recording this, there are two movies out that are in genres that I have a real soft spot for. So there's the buddy comedy Stuber. Oh, yeah. And, I saw Stuber. And there is the killer animal movie Crawl. <laughs> I have not seen Crawl. I have seen both those movies. I really thought Stuber was going to be the one that connected with me because I really like Kamel Maggiani. I like Dave Bautista. I like action comedies. I did not like Stuber. Uh, it, I didn't hate it, but it just sat there for me. Um, and, and it really, if your movie's title is that close to stupid... And you're marketing it on the idea of, because when I saw it at the screening, they had a request, please give us a five-star rating, you know, to tie oh, the Uber. Oh, That is low-hanging fruit for lazy yeah. critics, and I am a lazy critic. <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, I just, I wanted more from uh, from those two, who I think are very funny people, and there are moments where I kind of chuckled, but really, that movie just kind of, it, it just sat there for me. It, it did nothing with me. Did you like it? Dislike I it? enjoyed it. It's okay. nothing great. I, I I read your snippet, like I forgot it the second I left mm-hmm. the theater, and I was like, I had the exact same reaction, and yet while you gave it two stars, I would have given it three. Really? I would okay. be like, it's fine. It's exactly what it says it is. It's not great. It's not going to rock your world. If you don't see it, you're not missing anything. But there were enough funny moments for me. I laughed hard a half a dozen times, okay. which I don't. I can often go through a whole comedy without laughing hard, and I'm an easy laugh. Okay, I'm a real easy laugh, as listeners, I'm sure, are aware. But this is not, uh, it, yeah, it's it's not brilliant, it's not masterful. Did I laugh a half dozen times really hard? Yeah. Do I like both those guys? Yeah. And did I like them both here? Yeah. So okay. it's fine. Um, I'm not putting up a fight about this. I'm no, not trying to sway no. your opinion at all. No, and it's funny but, because I'm thinking, like, because I do Letterboxd, and uh, so my, my score for Stuber was probably a two and a half. Yes, my score for uh, and that's two and a half out of five. My score for Crawl three three and a half. So we're not yeah. talking that yeah. big, but Crawl is I, I really like. This is the uh, Alexander Aja movie, um, Al- Deadly Alligators in a Hurricane. It, <laughs> it gets in and it gets out. It's under ninety minutes. It's, so Stuber. It, yes. <laughs> it's, it, it, it wastes no time setting up that this girl goes into a house. It's being flooded. She's getting her dad. There's alligators there. They bite people. It's, you know, but but for what it's worth, it's, you know, it's got moments of tension. It's kind of intense at parts. I laughed uh, at myself for jumping. Um, so it really, if that's your thing, I mean, it's it's kind of genre that is deliver- delivering what it says on the box. It, it's it's exactly there you go. what it is. And um, if you like it, you'll like this. If you don't like that movie, you're not going to be swayed over. This is not Jaws. So, uh but, um, yeah, we're going to transition into that, though. A talk mo- about funny people. A movie that does not get in and get out. That does not get in and get out <laughs> at all. And I think kind of uh, confused people with what it, what was on the box when it came out. <laughs> so we're talking Judd Apatow's Funny People, which, as this episode comes out, this weekend is the 10th anniversary of that film's release. Uh, and this was the highly teamed Highly anticipated team-up for Judd Apatow and Adam Sandler. I think uh, Apatow had produced You Don't Mess With the Zohan a few years earlier, and they were friends from way back, but this was the first movie he directed starring Sandler. And so after two highly successful slacker comedies with The 40-Year-Old Virgin and Knocked Up, funny people saw Apatow kind of going more from his slacker, almost, you know, people 
referred to Kevin Smith a lot. This was the James L. Brooks movie he was making. Oh, yes. Um, and in Funny People, Adam Sandler plays George Simmons, a man whose hugely successful career of hacky blockbuster comedies has some really striking parallels to Adam Sandler's. <laughs> As we meet George, he's being told he has a form of leukemia that could very likely be fatal. He goes into kind of a spiral. He has no inner circle. So he turns to comedian Ira Wright, played by Seth Rogen, to be his assistant, joke writer, and confidant. Simmons begins making amends and confronting his mortality, as well as pining after a girl who got away years ago, played by Leslie Mann. But what appears on the surface to be heading in the direction of a more traditional redemption tale is a bit more complicated. Upon its release, it's likely many thought that Funny People would be another laugh-a-minute romp, especially with Sandler in the lead. The trailers seem to sell a sweet romantic comedy or a... You know, it's a wonderful life story of reversal and change. Um, Or a behind-the-scenes look at the comedy world. Yeah. Um, But the resulting film was actually a financial and critical disappointment in many ways. It's Apatow's lowest-grossing directorial effort, um, and only This Is 40 has a lower consensus on Rotten Tomatoes. (laughs) I walked out of it ten years ago with mixed feelings, enjoying Sandler's performance and much of the first half of the movie. But I felt disappointed by what I thought was a third act that felt self-indulgent and endless. Perry, I guess, is the way to start this off. <laughs> How did you feel about Funny People when you saw it? And did your revisit change anything? I, uh, I really liked it at the time. Uh, that's not to say that all of what you... Uh, that, that description is not necessarily inaccurate. Uh, but I'm all, good with, uh, I'm all good with self-indulgent here. For some reason. Okay. <laughs> Self-indulgent isn't necessarily bad to me. Mm-hmm. It's easy to throw that around as a pejorative, but I am actually okay with it if you're... It, it, in certain instances, and this is one of those. Okay. It's a film that doesn't... that it, 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 it Okay, it definitely wants to be two different things. And it sure. doesn't decide... And it decides not to even try to mix them, really. It, no, there's a very clean it's, cut. It's a it's two separate things that are being mm-hmm. dealt with, and I found that interesting. And I don't mind that it doesn't necessarily work because I think the the attempt to collide these together is is fascinating, and I think they're both interesting on their own. Uh, I, looking back at the revisit, my <laughs> what I was struck by with the revisit is that this film would do much better without Adam Sandler in the lead. Okay, <laughs> and That's I don't. I, 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 I don't, uh, while I hate Adam Sandler often, because it's easy to, I, I, I also like to give him credit for when I think he's very good, mm-hmm. and I think he's been very good in films like this. Okay. Um, I think that the problem, the problem for me ends up being that knowing that how close the two of them are and how well mm-hmm. they know each other, and that footage, infamously, at the beginning of Adam Sandler making crank phone calls was taken by John right, Apatow right. when they were living together, when they were young comedians and writers, uh, I think that it would have done better with an actor who could have uh, who could have gone away from what Apatow was expecting. <laughs> okay. I think that I think it's a part that was written that could have been played way, way bigger. It, not broadly, not in comedic terms, mm. just in terms, just in emotional terms. And I don't think Sandler is capable of going where that film could have gone and would have been better off had he been able to go there. That's interesting because I love Sandler in this movie. He's um, fine. I, I, I think, think he's, he's the weak link. I think he's the problem. I think I think his performance is very good. I, I like his performance. I like how when he's he's basically. I mean, a lot of people like to say he's playing himself. He's not. No. He is. Everything I know about Adam Sandler, you know, things I hear written about him or 
whispers is that he's a nice guy. He is a happy family man, which George Simmons is not. Um, and, and so it's Adam Sandler, but with bitterness replacing any charisma. Like, it, it's an angry, like, he's an angry, bitter, selfish person. And I think it's kind of brave for Sandler to really commit to the asshole part in this movie. Um, and, and I like the fact that there are snippets where he starts getting moved. Uh, there's the scene where um, Ira plays the playlist for him that he has. Of, it basically, yes, it, the it, ones he wants on. Excellent ones he wants on. And, and Sandler has a real way of you know showing that he's moved by it and then deflecting really quickly and getting, getting really bitter. And I, I like him in this role, but I think it's distracting for the movie because there's always the question of how much is Sandler, how much is, you know, a creation. Because I think it, it does, his career so parallels Sandler that a lot of people, I think, walked out assuming, oh, this is a movie about Adam Sandler. And I don't think it is. Um, I think it's, I think it's a movie about Judd Apatow wrestling with the same themes he's dealt with his entire career, which is the importance of family and monogamy and all these, all these things. And then his love of comedy and asking why are some people happy and other people are assholes? Yes. Um, and that's what I, I really liked about this movie, seeing it again. I mean, this movie had always stuck with me, uh, even though I haven't seen it all the way through in 10 years until this week. It was a movie that I walked out of very conflicted, but I always felt, I think I missed something on that. <laughs> and watching it again, I, I really, it, it connected with me that this is Judd Apatow kind of doing his regular, uh, his regular approach, which is the important thing in life is to, you know, have relationships and friends and family around you and there who make you happy. But he's not telling it through that slacker who gets better. He's telling it through the guy who his progress is being able to write jokes for someone else at the end. Yes. And my, my, again, I, I, I think you're helping me make my point for me. The problem is Sandler is not a good enough actor to actually combine that bitterness with that charisma. There's no charisma here. I don't understand why he's famous other than I'm being told he's super famous. He's nothing he does is inherently funny in the movie to me. I don't see that. And I think that's because he doesn't have the capability of doing both. He's in his head. He's saying, I've got to play angry and bitter. Mm -hmm. That's it. I can be a little goofy sometimes. And that's sweet and charming, but he is. And that part of, part of it is, uh, I will grant part of it is the screenplay. He's supposed to be that already. He is this, I, I think we're supposed to see him as Ira sees him. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As this super successful thing, because that's the other element of this story that is heavy throughout, and I don't know exactly where Apatow is landing on this, where you know he is very much contrasting people who are super successful and people who are not, mm -hmm. and people who want to be very successful. I mean, it's Ira's losership to me is is far more interesting and emotional catalyst my second time through it. I what I forgot, what I was struck by is how good Seth Rogen is in oh, the Seth movie. Rogen is great. Seth Rogen is playing way against type. Like, if you think you understand Seth, that Seth Rogen always does the same thing, watch this. Mm -hmm. He really is not doing the same thing at all no, and he does in any of his other movies. If you came to this after 40-Year-Old Virgin and uh, Knocked Up as being your exposure to Seth Rogen, it's a totally different role. He's, yeah. He's a very... He, he's very innocent and um, sincere. Like, there, there's a sincerity to him yes. that... It makes him... It's very funny. It's played for laughs a lot of times. Um, but he, it's also why he kind of, I think, gives George the benefit of the doubt. 
is he, yes. he believes, oh, this is the superstar. He's he's famous, and it's kind of that pull where he, I think, he believes he could be George Simmons in another world. You know, just the right break, just the the right connections, and he could be George Simmons. And I think the pull in this movie is don't be George Simmons. <laughs> you know, he's got. I, I think Apatow is much more interested in, like you said, the the people who aren't successful or they're not successful yet and the relationships around them, which is what George doesn't have. He doesn't have Jason Schwartzman and right. Jonah Hill around him. Um, he has his maid and he has uh, Andy Dick. And <laughs> that, that's about it. Um, I, I do think, I see, I see what other people see in George Simmons, though. What, what kind of made him a star and why people gravitate toward him. Because I do think Sandler's very charismatic in parts in this role. Um, there's that Thanksgiving dinner where he goes to with Ira and uh, all the other characters whose names I don't remember. Um, except Bo Burnham's there. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and you just watch George come in and take over that dinner. And he's, you know, He's very personable. He's kind of the center of attention. He's he's laughing. And you see why people would flock to him. But what people don't see is that it's all self-serving. It's him wanting to be that center of attention. It's him wanting that spotlight on him. Um, and I think Sandler does that really well. I, I He's likable, and yet I want to punch him in the face at the same time. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I'm far from the first to like bring this up. But uh, it, what really helped me was when people... It referred to this as kind of Apatow's Great Gatsby, and, <laughs> that's, that's and, and I think that's actually really apt. As you have, you know, George Simmons isn't the good guy who's going to change. He's Gatsby. He's doing everything self-serving. He's, you know, he's got everything, and he wants more, and he wants the old love that he has. And Ira is kind of the innocent who comes in and kind of sees all this. Um, that that really helped me with my reading of this, not wanting, not expecting George to be redeemed by the end. Necessarily. <laughs> that helped you see what this story was. Yeah, yeah. It helped me put this together and understand it a little bit better. Um, but I also think, I, I don't know, how do you feel about Apatow as a whole? I'm a huge fan. Okay. Uh, that's Again, that's not to say everything is a masterpiece by any means. No. Uh, but, uh, I, oh my god, how can you not? Yeah. I, I don't understand if you like comedy. I don't understand how you don't at least accept that this man is responsible for more great film comedies in the last... 20 years than anybody else. He's a one-man SNL. I don't... I, and not just him, the entire... I mean, that entire cast of Freaks and Geeks mm-hmm. is so very loyal to him, and he obviously has helped shepherd them. You know? Yeah. And I'm counting all of that when I say, oh, I think he's... I think he's... Uh, I think he's remarkably important. I think he's... I don't know anybody that touches him in the last... I mean, I forget. How old is 20-year-old virgin? 15 years? Uh, we'll call it 15. 14, if this 14. is 10, we'll call it 15 years. Yeah. I can't think of anybody who holds as much sway over not just uh, it, it, the entire style of comedy has shifted mm-hmm. because of him. And I, I, I feel the need to say it here. I, he's never made a film better than 40-Year-Old Virgin. <laughs> okay, I, I, and I don't know that he will. But that said, I think that film is woefully underappreciated. Not just the comedy. I think it's a brilliant romantic comedy, which doesn't get made anymore. I think it's a a peerless ensemble. Uh, I think it's endlessly funny. And for all these reasons, I don't mind that. I don't mind his excesses. I never mind that films run 215, 220. I'm good with that. I I don't expect him to wrap it up. It it hurts sometimes. Mm -hmm. This is 40 is a slog. Oh, God. (laughs) And his, one of his two bad movies. (laughs) 
puts it out there. I've never, ever cared for Knocked Up. Okay. okay. I think Knocked Up is fine and a one view. I don't think there's okay. any reason to go back to Knocked Up. I have not gone back to Knocked Up. So yeah. <laughs> and I have seen... I mean, I would 100% agree with you on 40-Year-Old Virgin. I think that might be the funniest film of the last 20 years. <laughs> I, I love that movie. Yeah, it's um, masterful. I, I think... And that is definitely a movie where every time I have the chance, I go for the longer cut on that one. Yes! I, I, I yes. love that movie so much. Um, and I, it's funny. I, I, I love... Uh, I liked Knocked Up, I, but again, have not revisited it. This is 40... That was my one and done. Um, it's not good. You know, and I, I thought about revisiting it uh, because I'm turning 40 this month. And I'm like, why would I do that? No. Like, I want to start off with good anticipation. I really like Trainwreck. I did um, too. But I feel like I feel like funny people watching it, I don't think it's his best movie. I definitely don't think it's his funniest movie. And I think that might be intentional. Um but I think, like, if you want to understand Judd Apatow, yeah. this, is the, this is the thesis statement. I agree. Right? I think it's his most personal. Um, I... <laughs> And let's not discount the fact that Four Year Old Virgin is that because of Carell. Yeah. It is Carell's influence. And Carell, yep. I, that, that the movie comes out of a Second City skit that Carell did <laughs> and created. And that's, and he's on that screenplay. And that's his sensibility that is overlaying all this. Well, and it was, I think, also Anchorman that allowed Apatow to make it when, when Anchorman was a huge hit. The only good thing about Anchorman. <laughs> We're going to get I mean, into Anchorman I mean, one someday, day. I, I do love someday, but um, I'll scream into the wind about it. Yes. It's funny watching this. Have you uh, have you read Apatow's book, Sick in the Head? I have not. It, it's fantastic. Uh, it, it is a great book. Collections. He did of interviews with comedians when he was a yes. teenager. It, it's, it's remarkable, but I thought about that so much watching this. Um, because he was so helped out by other comedians yeah. in his career. Um, particularly Gary Shanley who really took him under his wing. And uh, you just see that generosity through Apatow's career. Like, his movies pretty much exist to set up other comedians. Yeah. To just give them room to breathe. Which, like you, is why I don't mind the indulgence. Right. Because he's letting these characters breathe. He's letting... He's giving the spotlight to whoever he feels deserves a spotlight at that point. But I think, thematically, you see that in this movie as well. Because what Ira has is this community around him. Um, and, and I mean, I'm not saying Jason Schwartzman's character is an altruistic good guy, uh, because I, the funniest part of the movies is where he's just, you know, nonchalantly mentioning how much he makes on Yo Teach and... Oh, see, and I think the funniest part of the movie might be, well, okay, the funniest part, not the single best laugh, but the funniest part of the movie is how wickedly, brilliantly, terribly written Yo Teach is. That yes, is the yes. best fake sitcom <laughs> I've ever seen. That's it's thoroughly fantastic. plausible. Yes. That could be on the air. <laughs> yes, yes, I, I would, I would agree with that. Um, but, but you see that, like, you know, Ira has this community around him, which Apatow had and has. He continues to cultivate. George doesn't have that, and then I think it's really telling that whatever redemption George gets or moves, you know, whatever change he makes, it's not seen in him finding love or having some breakthrough. It's I'm going to help this comedian raise jokes. Yeah, uh, which I think says a lot about Apatow. Um, yeah, and, it's, and it's a warning to himself. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I, I think it's fascinating. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I really have nothing else to say on that topic. Um, yeah. But I, I mean, it really gets the heart of not just everything Apatow's directed, but if you look at what he's produced, it's here's this funny guy, I'm going to give them a chance. Here's this funny girl, I'm going to give them a chance. Um, I think his next movie is a Pete Holmes movie. Yes. Uh, no, not Pete Holmes. Pete Davidson. Pete, Pete Davidson, yes. Pete Davidson, which I'm really curious to see what they do with that. Um, because I'm not the world's biggest Pete Davidson fan. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, I, I mean, to me, it's 
not Apatow's, you know, funniest movie, but it's, I think it's the one that says the most about him. Um, and I do love the little scenes where he just lets comedians riff. Like he's, oh, yeah. he's so in love with just putting the camera there and watching Paul Reiser go off. Yes. Or, and, and, and Charles Fleischer. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, which it took me a moment to realize who that was until I was like, oh, it's uh, Roger Rabbit. But yeah. <laughs> uh, the something that struck me in my revisit was uh, how within the movie, mm-hmm. nobody laughs. Like, oh. there's not a lot of laughter among the characters, like, when they're hanging out. No. It's all, the you know, it is all dry, insulting, mm-hmm. which might be a real insult. <laughs> you know, no one can really tell. They just all sort of take it as this. And what I found interesting is, and I don't know if Apatow realized this weirdness. I, I didn't the first time I saw it. But, you know, like we talked about, that, that cold open of Sandler on the phone. Oh, they're cracking up the whole time. They're hysterically funny. So he's, you know, if this is Apatow remembering what his life was like back then, it sure doesn't look like that clip. <laughs> There's, I mean, there is no, even when they're at the club, they're not, no one, you know, I, yes, you can, it's easy to do the comedians who don't laugh at anything and begrudgingly accept when someone else is funny, but that's not what's going on in that opening clip when they're no, doing their phone calls. And I'm like, wow, where's that? That scene is not in this movie. There is no sense of genuine like that that, that those that the, that that young that that young crew all really like each other. They're friends. Mm-hmm. They know they understand each other. But there's not there's no well, letting go. There's no having fun. They're all yeah, struggling. Yeah. It's all competitive, right? And so I'm curious if that's. I'm curious if Apatow realized it. I'm curious if he consciously chose not to show it that way. I don't have an answer. I, it's just something that struck me. I hadn't. I have not thought it through. Um, and I think it shows that what he's more interested in is yes, is he wanted to get to the dramatic stuff. Well, and where does the laughter return? It's in that back hour of the film when they're hanging out with kids, or they're hanging out with Leslie Mann and Eric Bana, who we haven't even talked about yet, and who is a treasure in this movie. He's fantastic. Um, he's fantastic in this movie. Uh, what I what I think people tend to talk about a lot in this, and it goes back to that Yo Teach thing you brought up. I think the funniest thing might also be the Sandler movies in this. Um, <laughs> Just the posters and the references. The posters and then the brief, man, the brief scenes you get, and you realize, oh, these could be outtakes from a Happy Madison production. Oh yeah, so dead on. Oh yeah. And I remember when it came out, there was kind of this thought, like. Oh, Sandler knows what he's been doing, and this is going to be his turnaround. You know, he he's he's skewering himself and apologizing for the movies he made, which did not happen to be no. the case. I, I mean, he doubled down. Um, he got that eight pick Netflix deal, and uh, I have not seen any of them. Oh, but, really? Oh, I have not seen Ridiculous Six. Myrowitz or... stories? Oh no, okay, that's not part of his deal. That's not a happy. Uh, I think it was. Oh, is it really? I think it was. Okay, I have seen Meyerwood stories, and I like Meyerwood stories a lot. Yeah, see, he, um, yeah, he, he, which is his other. I think his. Uh, I think that and Spanglish are his two truly great performances. Punch Drunk Love, he's great in. I, I think that's because Paul Thomas Anderson knew mm-hmm. exactly what he wanted from him, and he still only has to play one thing at a time in that movie. He doesn't have to. Yeah. Be, he doesn't have to be complex in that movie. And he still has some affectations in that one too. Deeply, but that's part of it, and yeah. they're built in. They're, it's yeah. a perfectly written part for him. Yeah, is what yeah, I need to say. Yeah, I'm not discounting; he's very good in it. Mm-hmm. But I think he had to sort of work in Spanglish, and I think he works in Myra's stories really, really hard and really, really well. He's very naturally charming in those. 
Yes. And, yes. And that's, I think that's the appeal. That's probably the thing about Sandler, where even though I hate 90% of the movies he does, I find myself rooting for him. <laughs> and, and I don't know why, like, I, like, I don't think there was anything he really did on Saturday Night Live where I'm like, that was great. Um, I was the, the right song. Come on, <laughs> give him the Hanukkah song. I was, the Hanukkah song is great. Yeah, okay, <laughs> I was the right age for Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison. Like I, I loved those. But then I, like I think Punch Drunk Love got my hopes up. Like oh, he's he's got something here, and then he keeps going back. He goes back to the well. But what I think is really funny here, or interesting, interesting, not so much funny. Is I think you see the explanation for why he does that in this movie is that he kind of shares Apatow's value. You know, he's making these crappy movies, but the point for him is he's making them with his friends. He's using his excuse to take a vacation with his family. And to him, it's just work. And so I think, you know, I it makes for bad art, but I, I think you can kind of see. <laughs> he's, uh, David Ehrlich wrote about this, about this movie a few years ago and, and said a lot of the same things, which is that what... Sandler's kind of doing here is saying, yeah, the, the good thing about me is I might make this crap, but I'm not George Simmons. You know, I'm a nice guy. And I, I think that explains some of his choices where I think he's just more interested in hanging out and having a good time than making anything artistically great. Um, I'm still not watching The Ridiculous Six, but... <laughs> but it, Nor should you. Yeah, but I do find myself getting my hopes up every few years when he turns in a Marowitz story or something like that. See, I'm only interested if he's working with really good directors. That's that's it's real simple. If he's if it looks like he's actually trying, okay, I will give you a shot. But I have no interest in seeing a straight up Sandler comedy. No, I have not at any point. Aside from his stand up special earlier this year, which a lot of people loved, and I kind of was at, and I still haven't watched. I should, but I have not. I have not watched an Adam Sandler comedy. I don't know. Maybe Zohan was the last one. Which I do like. I, I like Zohan, like too. Um, and that might be <laughs> I was okay with Zohan. But uh, Meyerowitz Stories was the last one where I was like, oh, yeah, he, he he can do a good job. He's doing something with the directors of uh, Good Time Next. And I'm interested to see what they pull out of him for that. I still regret that we did not get him in um, Inglorious Bastards. But he was doing funny people at the same time. Oh, I'm okay with that. I, I was not a fan <laughs> of Eli Roth. I, in general, I'm just not a fan of Eli Roth. Um, uh, me either, but I will take him in that movie over Adam Sandler, yes. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> really easily, I'll take him over Adam Sandler in that movie. Um, so you, you mentioned you're okay, we've mentioned we're okay with the indulgences in this, where he's kind of letting the comedians play out and things like that. How do you feel about the last hour of this? I movie? actually really like it, um, because I like, I like the tonal shift, I like that we're going to tell this story now. I like how, and again, I'm uncomfortable. Are we, are we just spoiling away? Are we Wait, just we talking detail about this? Just okay. I, I like the fact that Leslie Mann's character is not enamored of his celebrity. I like that it's not about that at all. No, it's that connection they have. And that that's exactly how the that's how the relationship plays back out. He, he could have been a... a, a, a pick your profession, lowly profession of choice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he could have been a ditch digger to go, and they would have had the same reaction to each other mm-hmm. this time around. Uh, I really like that. I like that he gets around without even trying. He just sort of drops the whole concept of celebrity, which is yeah. so important early on in the film. I think that's really deft. I think it's a really good piece of writing to do that, to figure out how to pull that off. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I think the second half also contains... I remember laughing in the theater at the Deer Hunter reference at the, <laughs> over dinner, which is one of the most startling... Because that is, that is such an uncomfortable scene the first time. And I found all of it actually less discomforting this time around, mm-hmm. which I thought was even more interesting. I was not... It's not such an uncomfortable scene. Uh, those characters are less appealing. You almost like Eric Bana earlier in the movie the second time through. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know whether that's because you understand how full of crap both of them are about the situation she is in her life. Uh, but he's he's uh, he's much more winning. <laughs> he is, and, 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 and not that he's, he's great in the film. From 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 go, Eric mm-hmm. Bana is wonderful in this movie. But yeah, the, the, you realize the character is more likable than he's supposed to be early on, and that's key. He's more likable, and in my memory, Leslie Mann was kind of... It, it, ten, my memory from ten years ago was that Leslie Mann was portraying the perfect one that got away, you know? And so George is chasing the one who got away who is exactly the same as she was ten years ago. But watching it again, you realize, no, she's someone who's also chasing her youth. She's She's flawed. She's... Oh she yeah, not, she doesn't have her eyes open on this. She's thinking about getting back into acting and stuff. And her and George are both pursuing the same thing. They're pursuing, you know, the themselves of twenty years earlier. And so I'm not as much on her side as I was ten years ago. And I'm not <laughs> on George's side at all. And I think Eric Bana's character just comes off as you know a nice guy who he's very funny in the role too. And that he's helps a lot. Really funny. Um, he has. The, maybe the greatest line reading of fuck that I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> when we start off Cameron Diaz, he's just like, ah! <laughs> so, uh, see, and I, I've always given that to Emma Stone in a super bad. Which, okay, yeah. <laughs> when she gets headbutted at the end. That's always been my favorite delivery. That's always been my favorite non-Dennis Farina delivery of the word fuck in a movie. Yeah, he's he, Dennis Freed is still the king of being able to say the word fuck on screen. But. <laughs> and, and I love that this is a movie that kind of the way it all resolves between George and I, well, I can't even remember Leslie Mann's character's name, but uh, it, between George and Leslie Mann's character is not this big dramatic resolution. Laura, Laura, okay, George and Laura. The, I he, looked it up. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say you have IMDb on your phone. I was waiting for that. Um, it's not this big dramatic resolution. It's not this. Tearful goodbye. It's two people sitting in an airport, a married couple, realizing they want to work on their marriage. They want to keep getting better. And you just realize George is not interested in getting better. There's that moment where they're watching the Cats video. Yes. And that's the moment it all clicks for yes. her. And I think that's why the last hour of this movie didn't bother me as much because you have to ease into this scene and realize... They're very moved, but her and Ira are very moved and into watching the girl perform. And George is just so nonchalant and uninterested. And just that moment where he checks his phone is it because this movie lets it play out in that time. It's such a dick move. It's a small move. It's a (laughs) dick move. And then his reaction where he doesn't know how to respond. Yeah, he has no wiring to tell him how to respond to that. And you just realize he's. He's not going to fit into this world. He, he's not going to settle down and be her parents' kid. Nor has he changed. Yeah. From all this. That's what that's... Yes. That's the importance. Yes. And I think that was the hardest thing for me 10 years ago was... I think I went in expecting the traditional... He has a brush with death and it changes his life. 
and that's the movie. He's gonna he's gonna be George Bailey by the end of this movie. <laughs> and no, I mean the the whole point of his character is summed up when I was like, you're the only person who's never changed from a life altering or you know a life and death experience. Yes, and that bothered me when I saw it the first time. And in this, I'm like, oh no, I, I see the point they're making. It's it, it's an interesting way for him for Apatow to make that point he always makes about the importance of family and community and stuff. He's telling it with a central character who doesn't want any of those things. Right. And I think that's why some people kind of were cold to this movie, too, and why it's not a movie that a lot of people return to. Uh, it's, it's uncomfortable. It, it's a very, it's it's at times a very cold movie. It, well, it's, and it's, it's about broken people. That's mm-hmm. what it is. I mean, it's, that was what struck me this time around. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it through with the pun the first time. You know? And they say it at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. That it's they talk about being funny people and you realize oh you mean completely broken yeah <laughs> which is what George is <laughs> and, and so many comedians are that way and I think oh, that, yeah. I think Apatow is fascinated by that like how can these people who have the careers he's always wanted the careers we're told are going to make us happy how can they be so miserable yep. and that is his exploration of that do you listen to um, Conan O'Brien's podcast at all? I don't. Okay, it's fascinating. I don't. I, I, yes, I'm sure it's great. And, and, and But if you listen to Mark Maron's, you hear the same thing. Yes. All these people who we hold up as being so funny and so successful, I'm always shocked how crammed full of insecurity and fear and bitterness they oh, are. Oh, sure. And this is a way to explore. It's exploring funny people by letting you know they're not really always that funny. They're right. kind of miserable. Um, or even yeah. as we've talked about, the, you know, even... Uh, you know, the, the Robin Williams book we've both read and talked about, you know, gets, mm-hmm. certainly gets at that. And it, that doesn't even, and that has the, you know, that's it, since that has the, what I wish was in this movie was both. And, and I understand that's not this movie. You could make a different movie that does this. Mm-hmm. And I hope Apatow returns to this subject by doing this. Yeah. Show, show both. I that you know, Williams was very open and very mm-hmm. empathetic and very caring and very loving. And he was also, monstrously self-defeating and full of in- insecurity mm-hmm. and convinced that his career was going to be over the next second. You can play them both simultaneously. And that would be the next thing to go. That would be a challenge to write and to do. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see Apatow do that. I think Apatow has kind of done that. Um, he's a pro- He was a producer on Crashing. Yes. Which, which I think dealt a lot with that. Um, kind of just how messed up comedians are, but also... You know, how kind they can be to each other and supportive they can be, even as they're all vying for the same things. I really like Crashing. Uh, that was a show that I, I liked quite a bit. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I walked away from it this time feeling like, okay, it can probably be another ten years before I watch it again. <laughs> um, but I appreciated it a lot this time. I, I, I liked a lot of what Apatow was doing. Um, it, it's weird. There are some things that are so dated in it. The whole MySpace sequence. Oh, it's so funny, yes. And, and yeah, yeah. It still made me laugh. Uh, there is a Robin Williams joke that has not. Well. No, that that doesn't help. And well, and that was the thing that struck me is a lot of those comedians have died. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people in this movie who have passed in the in the ten years since, and mm-hmm. that's really sad and really great that they had this moment. That, you know, Avatar got them yeah. to sit down and threw a camera in front of them and let them have these moments. Yeah, yeah. I I really liked this movie. Um, yeah, I, I liked it at the time. I still really liked it. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's imperfect, but no, very few movies are perfect. I don't want and, perfection necessarily. And, and I want something interesting. And if I'm going to give someone two and a half hours 
to delve into something, I'm Rabbit's appetite. And let's put it, I, I, I'm gonna, I, I will, maybe this isn't a limb, but I would gladly say yes, it is his James L. Brooks movie. Yeah. And it easily better than any film James L. Brooks has made in the last 30 years. That it's is better than not. anything from the 90s, the aughts, or the 10s. I would it agree just, with that. I, I absolutely agree with that. <laughs> um, not that it's as good as Terms of Endearment and Broadcast News, few things are, but it's way better than the rest of them. Which half the names I can't remember, except <laughs> as good as it gets. <laughs> In Spanglish. Uh, no. Oh, see, I like uh, uh, I, again. Yeah, the titles. The titles run away. Well, there was the failed musical. What I'll do anything. I'll do anything. Yeah, really. I remember. I vaguely remember. I saw it and vaguely mm-hmm. remember it. I, I have a soft spot for the one with Reese Witherspoon and Owen Wilson uh, and Paul Rudd. Uh, oh like gosh, that. how do you how know? Do you know? Yeah. I, I have not. Which seen it. I think Owen Wilson is brilliant in. I usually think Owen Wilson is brilliant, but I think he's really good in that. Uh, but yeah, it's this is so much better than well than, I, uh, than all of those. Think, thinking about that, then it, this, this just occurred to me. I think Apatow tried to kind of redo the James L. Brooks thing with This Is Forty, which Ooh. doesn't work. No, uh, and it's been a while, but I remember that movie just being a lot of very angry, nervous, rich people. Yeah, um, but what I think is interesting is he went from that, which that movie does not work. And his next thing was, well, I'm going to help Amy Schumer get off the yes. ground. And now I'm going to help Pete Davidson get off the ground. Yep. And by the way, I'm also going back into stand-up comedy. And I, I think it's fine. I think this is a pivot point for him in many ways. Oh, yeah. Um, so I'm excited to see what he does next. Uh, this is 40, by the way. should have been This is 60. And it should have just been a vehicle for John Lithgow and Albert Brooks. Because that's the best that. stuff in yes. it. That stuff is so good. <laughs> That's the reason, if you go to it, that is that is the reason to actually get through it, is for the two of them. I do think it's also one of the only movies I've seen where a deleted scene over the end credits is funnier than anything else in the movie. <laughs> that moment with Melissa McCarthy just oh. going up. And it, it, it's great. I will pull that up to watch that randomly sometimes. <laughs> uh, but that rest of the movie, uh, my wife and I had just been married a few years when we watched that. We're like, is this what it's going to be? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so No. That's, that's not how it is, thankfully. But I am really curious what our listeners think of funny people. Um, you can find us on Facebook and tell us, or you can find us on Twitter at WatchingCast. And let us know if if you like it, if you had a change of heart on it, or if we're totally full of shit. Um, <laughs> which could be possible. Um, in Why the likely? meantime, if you like what you're hearing and you want to support the conversation, head on over to Patreon. And you can throw a few bucks our way and listen to some bonus episodes. And in other than that, where can people find you, Perry? You can find me at Perry Loves Film on Twitter. You can find me at Facebook under my actual name. You can hear me every Friday morning on the Lucy and Lance Show on 1270 AM in the uh, Ann Arbor area. And you can find me writing about film at Michigan Sports and Entertainment. And you can find me on Twitter at Mere Christianity and listen to my weekly pop culture podcast, Wasting Time. Also on Big Heads Media. And we will see you in two weeks. Bye.